Tony Stravato is a Durham guy who is the father of twin boys who have autism. Tony's experience, particularly as a passionate advocate for people with autism, has shown him that politicians at Queen's Park do not care about the children of Ontario. He felt so strongly he ran as an independent candidate in the 2022 provincial general election, as you know from listening to Exit 425. He ran as a candidate in Durham riding to represent Exit 425. Tony is now the Vice President of Operations for the Ontario Autism Coalition and is here to fill us in on what the situation is for families living with autism and what progress has occurred with autism in Ontario since June 2022. My name is Steve Ray and I'm pleased to welcome Tony to this edition, the 57th episode of Exit 425. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Tony, is it, it is very good to speak with you again. Is it true that you are nicknamed the beard and that you vowed to not shave until an important goal is met? Uh, yes, that's uh, correct. My nickname is the beard. Uh, I did shave um, eventually, even though that goal wasn't met to get needs-based therapy, but it was to, uh, we held a fundraiser um, and my beard was two and a half years old and we raised uh, funds to put a billboard up in a certain MPP's writing to raise awareness about the autism file. So when we raised the money to buy a billboard, I shaved my beard in front of Lauren Coe's office, um, just as, you know, uh, this is where I said I would start growing my beard and we kind of just shaved it off. So I am still the beard. As you can see, I have my beard back and, uh, you know, we're keeping it a little bit tame right now, but keep it going. Tony, what is your family history of living with autism? Well, um, my boys were diagnosed uh, just around the age of two. Uh, they're 10 years old now. They just turned 10. Um, so before that, I didn't even really know. You know, I knew about autism, but I didn't know about autism. And all of a sudden, my life became about it. And the boys. It's about, my life is about my boys, my family, and... Um, yeah, it just started from there. And um, when they were diagnosed, we were told there's a there's a massive wait list for therapies. And I didn't even know what that meant at the time, what massive wait list was, but it was massive at the time, but not what it is today. So we did some private therapies until we came off the wait list and they finally got into therapy. And well, not long after, uh, Doug Ford was uh, you know, <laughs> elected and they decided to take the program in a completely different direction. And that's what started my journey. And there is news about autism, kids with autism and our provincial government, as you've mentioned in local and national news on a regular basis. Please clarify how this provincial government is handling autism. Well, to be honest with you, uh, it's been a disaster. Um, unfortunately uh they had it there was a program that was underfunded yes there was a wait list um and it took you know years to get to where it was but it was a program that needed tweaking and some extra funding uh, instead they blew it up um they say they doubled the budget but in reality i don't know if that's that's accurate because uh in 20 uh, 18 prior to them being elected, there was uh, about 10,000 kids receiving needs-based therapy, and there was 20, 
23,000 kids on the wait list, but maybe just a little less. So to me, if you double the funding, you should be doubling the kids in service. There would, that would mean there would be a very little wait list. But they decided to completely freeze the wait list, blow it up, and we're five years later. And there's probably about, in total, with the kids that were left over from the legacy program and the new kids rolling into this new so-called needs-based program, there's probably about 4,000 kids getting service after all these years. And they've spent more money than any other government, according to them, on autism services, but it's not getting to the kids. They've made, they've, what they have done is consolidated many, mul like multiple small programs and pretended to double the program, but they didn't. Um, we've tried very hard to work with, with every member of government, uh, opposition or members in government. We've been shut out for a long time. Uh, we've been pegged as professional protesters, but the only reason we'll be out on those, like the front lawn of Queens Park, is because every every other option has been exhausted. And uh, we're hopeful. There's a new minister that was just named last week. We're hopeful that we can put all our differences aside, um, get back to the table. We have solutions to help them uh, get this you know, this funding to the kids and to make it the most uh, like fiscally responsible and needs based because right now what they have done is made it an age based program. So if a child's been waiting on the wait list for five years, just because of their age, when they finally get in, their funding is cut down to a, an amount that's not even going to give them like a quarter of what they were prescribed for therapies five years ago. I always say, like, to make it they make an example, every, you know, um, a typical family, you know, they have kids, and at four years old, they go to junior kindergarten. Could you imagine being told, I'm sorry, but there's only so many spaces available for your child to learn, so you could be on the wait list till they're possibly going into grade nine? What would people do, right? They would... They would also be on the front lawn of Queens Park. They would be at their MPP's offices. None of us want to do this, but when when you're just when there's so many systemic barriers for your children, you're gonna do what you have to do. And that's how I ended up here because I am not a political activist. I'm not a politician, but I'm being forced to be. By virtue of the fact that you're the parent of two children who have autism. Yes. Yes. <laughs> they, uh, now, they, you know, we got into this and we're in it together for life. So whatever they need, I'm going to try my very hardest to get them. And I'm taking all the other kids with me. Wow. Is this very different from the approach other governments have taken? Uh, perhaps like the Wynn or the McGinty or Harris governments? Well, None of them have gotten it right, let's face it. Um, they've all tried, you know, the Harris government kind of started it all um, where they all went wrong right off the bat, that they didn't feel it was a Ministry of Health issue. They put it with social services, which means, you know, that can just come and go. But these are medically, um, like, 
these are medical diagnosis and these therapies are prescribed saying, you know what, this is, um, this will be the, the best chance at, you know, an independent life or, you know, um, learning the way they need to learn. Um, it's not about just like academics. So it's, it's safety, right? Health, like, uh, keeping my one son safe. Uh, he's a escape artist. We're constantly having to make sure that he's not running off into the woods. He wears a GPS. Like, uh, there's so much that goes in, into all these. They, they've had to learn just to communicate. It's taking years, but they both commun- both my boys communicate with a uh, communication device. Um, you know, they're learning life skills right now. They're folding laundry. They're doing things that it, it seems like little things, but like it's going to give them, I'm not going to be around forever. So they're going to need to learn these these, and they need to know how to stand up for themselves. They need to be able to communicate, and they need the life skills. My my boys uh, have profound needs. They're not in the majority, but you know, I mean, just because they turn ten doesn't mean that they should get less uh, therapies. Uh, but you know, um, it's been tough because, like, we're trying to also we're fighting. For these services but we're also trying to to implement all these things in our homes and and we've been forced to also become therapists and you know their teacher and you know sometimes you just want to be a parent and do parent things but you're forced to do all this other stuff but i mean what other choice do we have at this point you do what you have to do as a parent and uh this is what what you're you're faced with. So, uh, have you had any conversations with our own MPP, uh, Todd McCarthy, about the autism file? Yep. Um, shortly after he was elected, you know, I, I did run against him, so I'm sure it was a little bit awkward at the time. But it doesn't matter because you know what, he's my MPP, and I need to voice my concerns because he was elected to represent us, right? So I did email him and they were very responsive. But the only issue was that instead of having, you know, a meeting in the riding where I live and where he's representing, I was asked to come all the way down to Queen's Park for a short meeting. I mean, I'm willing to do it, but like, can parents really be forced to like go a hundred kilometers or 60 something kilometers park navigate their way through the the building like luckily i know the system i know what to do but like that's not you know something for everybody we did talk um he you know he has uh, connections to autism as well and i talked i'm not sure much uh sunk in uh because shortly after i followed up with uh email because i gave him some um issues and concerns that i had and my follow-up email I got told that everything was progressing tremendously for the autism program. And I'm like, well, I, I, I don't even know what to say from that. Right. So I did get a meeting. I've spoke to him a few times when I'm in the halls of uh, Queens park, but as far as actually getting anything productive done together, that hasn't happened yet. Where do we need to be in terms of caring for children and adults living with autism? Well, like where we need to be is we have to, like as a society, we need to realize that, you know, these are people and 
if we help people, if we help each other as society, we're only going to be successful together. Like if we don't help these kids and they're going into a mainstream school, it's going to affect everybody. If they're not supported, it's going to affect everybody's learning experience. So why wouldn't we, like, why would we turn their backs? And the adult portion is something that's very close to my heart because as my boys are getting older I'm and I'm getting older, you know, I, there's, there's, there's people living in, in, sorry, it's, um, it's a hard uh, topic for me, but there are people living in, you know, hospitals because there's nowhere for them to go. They're living in hospitals tied up because there's no place to go. That's not, this isn't how we should be as a society, right? Um, you know, when people are sick, we try to get them the help as fast as they can. But for whatever reason, um, you know, people with disabilities are treated differently. And and it's my life's mission and so many people, like, I can't have that. <laughs> so, like, there's, we, we have to raise as much awareness. Uh, you'll see it in the news. There was just a news story last night in a very hit close to home, uh, Twin Boys. One boy is at home, he's older. The other one's living in the hospital because he can't be at home because, uh, you know, we don't have the supports and services. And it just tore my heart out just reading it because I'm like, that is like, it feels like it was my story being told in the future. So it's a big, uh, we need to be a society. We just have to take care of each other. If anybody's out there listening that cares, <laughs> they we have to take care of each other. The cost of things, you know, everybody talks about how these programs cost a lot of money. You know what costs a lot of money is somebody being in a hospital bed every day. That's way more than providing them with the proper help. Um, but it's hard to, to get people to see the bottom dollar. It's today and not tomorrow. Pay now or pay later. It's always, you know, so... Anyways. And we're all, we're already uh, telling seniors that uh, if they don't need to be in the hospital, you know, you either pay to stay or you're heading off to a long-term care home, uh, of which there's very little space. So now we've got people with autism who otherwise don't need to be in the hospital. Uh, in the hospital, I mean, quite frankly, taking space when uh, if service was provided elsewhere, yep, they, they wouldn't need to be there. No, and that's, like, there are solutions. It's just, like I said, these things fall under the wrong ministries. And they get treated like a social program. And, like, they treat my children and other children and adults like we're they're a drain on the system. But there's so many children that I've known, like, self-advocates that I've met that have had help, that have gone on to become lawyers. And, you know, and, you know, we can't give up on them because they are, they, they're our future and it's not, not everybody's going to be successful to go to university, but you know what? They, there's a lot of employment opportunities and they're, you know what? We just all want to be a part of the society. So we have to, we have to bring everybody together. I don't know. Maybe it's a big dream, but I'm trying for it. There's a lot of people who are entirely successful and contribute a lot to society who've never been to university, who've uh, endeavored in other areas. And, uh, and so that same range of possibilities should be open to people who have the capacity who have autism, right? So 
and all is there any really like you know it's yeah. uh, it's one of those things where it's just yeah everybody has uh potential and we just have to get to it in their own way build on their strengths yeah is there any jurisdiction anywhere getting this right uh you know it's hard to say because there are places that are are obviously serving more children. They're doing better, uh, but their governments are start, for whatever reason here in Canada. We think we need to cut back on these programs. But there's you go to the like the United States where everybody talks about how terrible their healthcare is. Autism services are deemed medical. Autism services are covered in a lot of states. They're mandated by private insurance companies or different things. They're taking it seriously. For whatever reason, Canada seems to be going the opposite way. Now, there are provinces like PEI. I know they have a really good uh, early years, and then they continue it into school. They integrate a lot of it into school, which is which is great. Um, Newfoundland has some awesome programs. and Alberta does too, but obviously they've been slashing uh, a lot of stuff out there as well. BC has a program uh, similar to what the Ford government tried to implement here. Uh, it's not great, but everybody's getting a little bit of something, but it's just, so if Ontario actually got their program rolling and, you know, got rid of the age-based thing and made it a truly needs-based program with our budget, we could have the best program in the world. Wow. But, like on paper, it could be. I would say it'd be one of the best ones in the world, but there it's whatever reason it's been, like I said, five years and continuously telling us that it's coming and delays and telling us targets are being hit, but they're not. And we know the truth, but who, who's going to listen to us, right? A lot of people believe what the government's going to tell them. And we're just sometimes pegged as just, you know, whiny parents, but we're not, we're just, you know, <laughs> telling the facts, but um, advocates for your kids and for a cause, right? Yeah. Like if everything was going tremendously, I wouldn't be going to Queens park on a weekly basis. I, I walk through the halls now and they're like, Oh, Hey Tony, like uh, the security, everybody knows me. I don't want that. Like it shouldn't be like it w if it was going great, I would be just happy watching sports and working on cars. Right. So, but it's not, um, yeah. What role does the Ontario Autism Coalition have in this struggle? And um, are there different groups that are maybe working at odds uh, in terms of promoting autism care? Well, the Ontario Autism Coalition, we are a we're a total volunteer organization uh, from the top. It's It was started years and years ago by... Uh, you know, um, a few people, but the main, the main people that have been around since then, uh, Laura and Bruce, um, McIntosh, uh, they've been around since the early two thousands. Uh, they started all this and it's grown to, we have like almost 20,000 members on our Facebook page. We have a, uh, large, uh, we have a board of 20 board of directors. Uh, I sit as uh, vice president. We have a, a pretty much new uh, executive. We have a brand new president. Uh, she's amazing. She's up uh, in Thunder Bay and we have vice presidents from Ottawa and we're, we have like 
all of Ontario covered with different boards of directors. And then under that, we have working groups and we're focusing on the the autism program, but it's much bigger than that. Our, our mission is to um, ensure that all autistic people and people with autism um, have the supports and services they need throughout their lifetime. Um, so it's a big, big, big <laughs> ambitious goal, but we have to, right? Every one of us that is involved is involved. So uh, we're focusing on education because, well, education is really big uh, with with our issues. Um, we have the OEP working group. We have a political action group because, well, we're political activists at the same time. And uh, we have an adult services, which is going to focus on adult services within Ontario and you know, pushing for a meaningful national autism strategy, which has been in the works for 20 years. So um, as far as other groups, yeah, you know, there is groups. For the most part, we all have a common goal. There is, there is a, like, I'm going to be open about this. There's self-advocates that feel like some of the therapies that um, are provided for Autistic kids, um, they feel like they're not, they feel their conversion therapy. Uh, it's not, but we don't discount anybody's personal experiences. In fact, it's good to get feedback from people that, with lived experiences so that we can make things better. But unfortunately, it's caused a bit of friction within, within the communities. Uh, there has been, you know, a little bit of divide. Uh, with some uh, self-advocates and parents and professionals, but we're really trying hard to work through those because we need to start knocking barriers down for for autistic people and people with disabilities. And, uh, you know, we have to find common ground. So, uh, you know, and the Ontario Autism Coalition for me, um, it was something my wife and I, we were alone we didn't have anybody else to like talk to about all our issues. And I went to the Ontario Autism Coalition just to to meet, you know, see what's going on and get educated. And it's 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 been a, a family support group. Uh, some of the most intelligent people I've ever met that live on no sleep and they can come up with a plan and like like that. Um and like I always say, it's the best group of people I wish I never had to meet. That might offend some of them, but like I really wish I never had to meet them, but I'm so glad I did. I don't think they'll take offense to, to that at all, Tony. Not at all. Um, what can people do to support your efforts? And uh, maybe where can they find more information about about this situation? Um, well, we have a website, OntarioAutismCoalition.com. Um, it's, it's a bit of rebuild right now. There's a lot of stuff going on, so there's always new stuff going on, but it's, it's, uh, there we have uh Twitter, we have a TikTok account that's new. Um, we have a Facebook page, which is open to the public. Uh, we're everywhere. And if you, uh, every night on the news, there's probably going to be one of us telling our story because, uh, we just have like, especially, uh, it being Autism Awareness Month, we call it Autism Action Month because, you know, awareness and all that is great, but we need action. 
Uh, we have a billboard running right now downtown at Young and Dundas, and it and it it really um, represents who we are. That it's autism doesn't end. It doesn't end at education. It doesn't end at you know preschool, uh, whatever. It's autism is lifelong, and that's the hashtag we're running with. We're pretty proud about that. Uh, you know. We're spreading the message and we're also trying to, we're trying to educate. So what people can do, if you do happen to talk to your MPP, if you could ask them um, about the progress of, um, you know, the autism file, the more they hear about it, um, you know what, talk to anybody about it. Uh, go on the page. We have petitions going right now. Uh, one is for support for Bill 74, which is for the missing vulnerable persons. Uh, bill and unfortunately it was supposed to go to second reading last Thursday but the government pushed it right to committee and that doesn't always mean that it's going to get done faster it means it probably means they're going to kill the bill so we need as much help as we can out there to <laughs> remind them that it has to be done because lives you know, count on it. We had some tragedies over the last year. It's not just for autistic people, but it's, you know, people with dementia and, you know, vulnerable people that if they go missing, people need to be alerted. And it would be regionally, so it wouldn't go off all across Ontario. It would be a regional thing, but it will save lives. So we could use all the help we can get with that one. Excellent information. You talked earlier a little bit about your children. How are they doing? Oh, you know what? They're great. I uh, they work really, really hard. Um, you know, but they're they're happy little guys, and I'm so proud of everything they accomplish. And honestly, they've made me a better person because, like, meh, I mean, I was not a bad person before, but like, they're awesome. Um, they have a lot of challenges, and you know, they have a good support team around them. They're they're lucky that I mean. To say lucky, but um, they're doing great, and uh, I can't wait to see what the future brings. So, I even registered Rocco to baseball this summer, uh, Challenger baseball. Uh, it, it could get excited, you know, he likes to run away, so it could be, you know, daddy's gonna be chasing after him all over the baseball diamond. But we're very excited, he's doing gymnastics, and uh, you know, Roman, he's he's uh, had quite a few uh, years of uh, some. Some hard times, but he's pulling through them, and um, I'm really, ex I'm just excited to see where uh, their future takes them. Well, with all the love and support and encouragement, I'm sure that you're uh, you're providing, um, they've got their best chance possible, right? And and uh, let's hope that uh, everybody else who has programs that can be helping and helpful can step up and and do what they got to do, right? Absolutely. Um, Bit of a, a deviation here, but to get to know you, uh, Tony Stravato, a little bit more, uh, maybe some more insights in your family. Uh, um, like with most of my guests, I'm asking uh, the quiz and uh, a few short little questions just to find out a little bit more about you. Uh, your favorite place for a meal out? Okay. I don't remember. <laughs> a meal out? Let me think. Um... 
Has that happened in a while? You know, it happened. It doesn't happen very often, but we did go to uh, Corrado's in Brooklyn uh, in January. That was a very nice evening out for my wife's birthday. Um, getting out is tough. Sometimes it's, we just order in and it's just as fun and easier. <laughs> Favorite non-meal place to go as a family, either for fun, relaxation, or just some fresh air? Uh, Well, I think... Like, as a family, um, I don't want to be all doom and gloomy here, but we don't really do too many, like, outings. But when we do, it would be, like, to the park, uh, you know, a splash pad. Or My wife's much more adventurous than I am. She wants to take him, like, to Wonderland and, like, (laughs) but I I might be a little bit of a helicopter dad. It's a little bit, you know, so we're going to try this summer. So maybe the next time you interview me, I'll have better uh answers but i'd say splash pad park we'll work at catching up in a few months yeah. and just uh maybe for mom and dad the favorite coffee or hot beverage spot uh well you know the closest drive through <laughs> <laughs> you know i so gotta anything. have a nice hot regular coffee but i'm good mcdonald's tim horton's Anything that sells regular uh, coffees that I can pronounce the name is usually. That's good with me. Tony, thank you so much for joining me and all of us on this episode of Exit 425. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening to this episode of Exit 425. Please like and subscribe on whatever platform you use. Our mission is to provide substantial information and education that goes where you want Exit 425 is a production of Studio 38 Audio, copyright 2023. My name is Steve Ray. If you have questions or would like more information about Exit 425, join our Exit 425 Facebook group, not the page. Check out Medium and TikTok or email me at exit425401 at gmail.com.